If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. We say things that don't mean anything, but thanks for listening. Greetings, salutations, everybody. Suns fan here with Cinderin. We Say Things, episode 78, sponsored by ExpressVPN. Cinderin, how are you doing? Mm -hmm. Good, good. Um, I'm ready to talk about some spicy stuff. Actually, today will not be very spicy, but it will be a good episode regardless. Um, I'm sure you have some very amazing and spicy stuff in the NBA section today. I think you're very excited about that. We'll get there. Um, it's gonna be but, good i can't wait but, but why first, don't we just start with some shout outs yes please take for us away, our Cinderin. in bruges tier patrons i will do the first half today i feel like i most of the time do the second half so we can spice it up a little bit you're really into Maybe spice today yeah we're um we'll give it a bit of a what's the word for that please begin whatever <laughs> all right so big thanks to shakar boyko ustavka Mautro. Boyko Ustavka Mautro. I'm not sure what this... Probably should have looked that an one anemone in an, um, in, an anemone in anonymity is an enemy and an anomaly. Fab Daddy. The Mega Pope. TI in New Zealand. Zan Xavier. Suns fan Pudge Omegalol. I'm happy this guy never changes his name. That's really good. Uh, Nate Thicko, 01 Hamscroats, the brother to the o- great OG, Jesticles Hamscroats. Bacon, no, not that bacon, the other bacon. Sacrificing my livelihood and succumbing to the endless torment known as Admiral Bulldog's face. <laughs> Lick, Shark TM, and freshly seasoned gold balls. Also, thank you to Change Will Happen, Comrade Dmitry Vladisov, the Ben Jackson and Ben Broomhead Alliance, Novi Panda, my boy. Also, my boy Dop, Marek, Zagarek, Fane, underscore man. We give permission for the Ben Alliance to raise product awareness by invading and occupying neighboring nations and villages. I How said did you product. Read podcast as product. Yeah, I don't know. Sorry about that. I'll refund you guys 10 cents. <laughs> Next is Pitch Black, <laughs> Wooden Aftertaste, Dun Talk, Dyslexic Lawyer, Joseph, oh boy, Anonymous. Sorry about that. And Ronnie Keel. So I might have effed up a little bit on the uh, the patrons today. It, the reason I misread it is because it's in a different font that I usually change because I find this to be unreadable. But I did it anyway. So anywho. All right, Cinderin. Are right. you ready for some God-tier news in the NBA? Yes. yes. All right. Two topics today. Okay. If you're watching on YouTube, feel free to skip. There are, if I see any complaints, then I will, I was going to say I was going to delete your comment, but I don't care enough to even do that. Just, <laughs> there's fucking timestamps, okay? You don't, you're not that brain dead. So, the Phoenix Suns, we talked about this potentially last week, have officially traded for Chris 
Paul Sindarin. He was the second All-NBA point guard last season. He's one of the best point guards of all time. He is 35, so he's starting to get up there in age, but it is an enormous upgrade for us, and it essentially catapults us into the playoffs, I would say. I think that's very realistic that we would be a five seed probably on paper. Of course, there's injury risk and stuff like that you can never account for. A couple teams might be going out of the playoffs like OKC, and I'll talk about Houston in a second here, and then a team coming in for sure will be Golden State. So Phoenix should be in the playoffs, Cinderin. I told Nikki, we've been out, we've been going out for like seven and a half years. During that time, the Suns have been fucking garbage. They've actually been garbage for 10 plus years. She's been like, why are you, I I like this guy, but why is he a fan of trash? Like, why would, (laughs) well, you know what's the funny, okay, not to get off on a tangent, I I took her to an NBA game like last year or something like that. And she, for the first time, saw me in my true nature and she was not happy. You were an absolute animal. I was loud. And she was getting a headache and complaining because I was too loud. I'm like, I'm at an NBA game. What do you expect? And then she complained oh, I that she all I did. she was embarrassed about the shit you were yelling. <laughs> she was embarrassed. And she was also annoyed that I was talking shit about the Suns players constantly. Like, aren't you a fan of the Suns? Why are you talking shit? I'm like, because they're garbage. They're horrible. This is so. why you love Dota. Because that's exactly <laughs> what Dota fans are like, too. Yes, indeed. Wonderful. So anyway, to wrap up that specific topic, the Suns have, have made a huge upgrade. They traded their one. They've only, he's only been on the team for a year, but Ricky Rubio, very good point guard, and Ubre, who was not going to be here anyway uh, after this next year, and then a draft pick with a bunch of protections and a bunch of scrubby players. So okay, can essentially, we didn't really this? give up anything that we're going to miss. Yes, the season hasn't started yet, right? That's why right. there's trades happening. How can you say with so much confidence before a season starts that our team should make the playoffs and get fifth seed? Like because it so is the is it just predetermined when you have X strong players you get this far? Not necessarily because chemistry is a huge thing in the NBA, of course. But you can project based on you know, like for example, Chris Paul, the player that we mm-hmm. traded for. He was traded the year before, which we actually talked about this from Houston with the beard guy right. because they didn't get along. So they traded him to Oklahoma City who had nobody on the team, like just a bunch of young players and Steven Adams who plays Dota, by the way. Uh, and then a bunch man. of people, like none of them were like truly all-star level or anything like that. It's just a bunch of re- regular players. They weren't supposed to make the playoffs, but because he catapulted that team with his leadership, they made to the fifth seed. So based on that alone, showing okay. that the Suns showed a lot of promise towards the end of the year, like we're a, a bubble team like close to getting in maybe we won't maybe we will uh in addition to like another year of experience for our really young core adding something like cp3 just easily catapults us to because now we have two legitimate all-stars anytime Mm -hmm. you have two all-stars you make the playoffs pretty much and then ayton could be an all-star in the future but we'll see so yeah consider this consider this so a team with no known players get this guy and they get fifth seed now, your team, with mostly unknown players and a bit more experience, get this guy. What if you don't make the playoffs now? How shit are the Suns then? Yeah, that would be bad. I think, yeah. in all honesty, the only reason we wouldn't make the playoffs is because of injury, which is you know, definitely a possibility. So that's the I'm, first topic. I mean, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready Good. for your joy I, or your tears in the future. I, yes, will, I will hear it. 
After each win, I'll make sure to talk about it on the podcast to keep you guys interested. The second topic, which is a little bit shorter, but it's a very interesting one nonetheless. Remember, we just talked about how Chris Paul and James Harden were once on the Houston Rockets. They didn't get along, so they Mm -hmm. had to trade Chris Paul to this unknown team. The person they traded him for is named Russell Westbrook. Okay, He's very intense. Oh, shit. There's a song about that guy by Lil Dicky. It's one of Lil Dicky's best songs. It's really fucking good. Is that real? It's, it's called Bro- Russell Westbrook on a Farm. It's really good. That's such a lie. Are you serious? Are you trolling Lil me right Dickie, now? Lil Dicky, Russell Westbrook on a Farm. Yeah, I know that name. I recognize that. Wow. Okay, well, anyway, it's they traded super, for him. super good. Which was a terrible idea because he's a huge contract for many oh, I'm years. I'm going to listen to that over you. Hang on. He's very inefficient in everything he does. But at the end of the day, Sundaran, they played for one year, and he's already asking for a trade. And now after that, there's now rumblings that James Harden himself is not happy and will probably be asking for a trade, maybe to somebody like the Nets. So Houston might be imploding, but we'll have to wait and see what happens with James Harden. Essentially, their owner, everybody is saying, is the worst owner, aside from James Dolan, which is the Knicks. Okay. So that is the NBA section, Cinder. Thank you for bearing with me. I know how much you truly hate that segment, but it makes Shannon, me happy you to know talk what to somebody I, about it. That's all right. You know what I just realized about the green screen? Oh my God. Whenever I switch to a white document, such as our oh, yeah. uh, outline, mm. it fucks up because there's too much brightness on my body now. That's so right. that's when it fragments. Is Every time I look at the outline, it goes bad. So For those that don't else, know exactly what I'll he's put talking it on another about, screen. Uh, he's made it a new ritual that when he, he shows up like five minutes late, ten minutes late to the podcast, like usual. What do you mean? And then for fifteen to twenty minutes afterwards, he's messing with his fucking green screen. Like, oh, change it to this number. Oh Lord, please change it to this one. It'll get rid of the artifacts. Like whatever you say, it just looks like garbage no matter what, Cinderin. You know what? Maybe we should just have the green background, like I said. Is it worth the effort anymore? I don't think I'm not so. Cha- well, it looks great now. Just don't look at the outline. Just go in blind. Okay. <laughs> okay. So the first topic, which I'm going to tread very lightly on, because I may know too much information about it, so hopefully mm-hmm. you can help me out here with, I assume you don't know anything, is a new Sir Action Slack special. He made a team trailer called it's called Arkosh Gaming. If you guys have not seen this trailer, I highly recommend you check it out. It's essentially just shitting all over NA and <laughs> talking about how this new team is going to rise from the ashes. They have five players named Crow, Canis, Pale Horse, The Goat, and Gremlo, who's my personal favorite, by the way. <laughs> Fucking love that guy. Um, and people don't know what to think about it, right? That was actually we forgot to bring this up last week, which I apologize for. But having said that, uh, he came out with a new post recently with a Reddit post saying, "In an attempt to grow the NA scene and save the region, Arkosh Gaming presents the Sacrificial Cup, a weekly <laughs> show match <laughs> where Arkosh faces off against a mystery opponent." Casted by big names and rising talent, look for suggestions slash review. So, what are your thoughts on <laughs> this project? <laughs> I just love the wording. In an attempt to save NA, 
<laughs> we present the sacrificial cup. <laughs> that will save a day. Let's sacrifice stuff. Uh, I mean, this is honestly, it's super funny. Uh, I, I love that when Slex does crazy shit, and this is no different. Um, well, it is different. It's crazy in another way, but it's crazy. Yeah. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. And again, if you know stuff that I don't, then obviously don't say it if it's a secret. But these five names are aliases, and the players, like, nobody knows who they are, right? It's like mystery yep. names, people That's playing right. on, like, yeah. So the reason I'm so trying to I would assume that I one know... or more of them are actually known, at least to an extent. <laughs> by people but they're just under aliases so nobody knows who they are i believe so yes uh a lot of people didn't like they didn't even know what to think on the trailer right (laughs) because it doesn't actually give any actual information it's a custom made song it's like a death metal type thing that i know he had somebody make uh based on another song and it's really well done um but i'm really looking forward to like the stuff that he's going to do in the future because i think people are going to like in theory, his idea is genius. I will say that for sure if he can execute it. Uh, but really cool idea, Arkosh Gaming. Definitely check it up. It's A R K O S H. Did you just send me Little Dicky in Discourse? <laughs> I did. Uh, you can listen to it later. Russell Thanks. Westbrook on a farm. There you go. It's actually real. Okay, so that's unfortunately as. Uh, I just realized the next topic, I didn't watch this video. <laughs> did you watch this video by any chance, Intern? Please. I did, yeah. Oh, I thank did. God. Okay, so next on the list, Karoki returns, Cinderin. And apparently he said some stuff into a webcam. What what did he say? I, I certainly watched it. And basically, the TLDR is uh, he's been dealing with injury. It's got it's got better he's really motivated uh and it gets better every day he started practicing with the team and he's going to start playing with them in um epic league and he has made his uh, comeback game already they did lose one two i think but kuro was uh, was in the on the court so mm-hmm. as you like to say uh the rest That's of it right. was basically uh, we're happy with the growth that we've made in the Middle Eastern scene. They have, I believe they actually have a local team there as well. And they've run a tournament called Rising Stars uh, to try to boost the Middle Eastern Dota scene. Um, they've been really happy with the feedback they've received. They're happy with how the org is doing. Uh, and they're excited for and hopeful for the future. And I think that was pretty much what it boils down to. And then obviously a big thanks to the fans that sticks through with them through thick and thin and have been patient with him returning. So how long has it been? I think that's the TLDR there. So just a positive message and he's back. Do you know how long it's actually been? He's been gone. I want to say five months, but that could be wrong. I I don't know if he said that in that in there, or if I'm just imagining it. Yeah. Time time is weird during Corona and all, right? It's been a while. For sure. I know that people have been shitting on Weeha lately for his performances, but my question he to said, you... Go ahead. <laughs> he went 1-19 and 19 on Storm in the game. Yeah. Well, oh, actually Storm? incredible. He, hero. He, had a, he had a really big play in that game, though, that maybe could have won them. Wait, I think they did lose it in the end, but he had an insane Aegis steal while he was 1-13 or something. It was very bizarre. Was it not a Void Spirit game? Are you sure it was... Storm? He was Storm against Void Spirit. I'm pretty sure about that. Oh, okay. Uh, but anyway, with Kuroki returning, like, Nigma has been kind of up and down. I mean, even when he was playing, they were not 
actually they mm. were pretty bad, right? If memory serves me, they weren't doing very well at all. Uh, occasionally they'd have a couple big games, but then they would just like consistently just not even qualify for some tournaments. And so with him coming back to what you compare it to, right? Like when is a team bad? Are they bad when is Nigma bad when they get fourth? No, right? Because like, they weren't. There was a couple tournaments they didn't even qualify for, which is like pretty right. big, right? Yeah, that's probably pretty bad by their standards. But yeah, in tournaments that they were in, they had a win or two. They got some second thirds, I think, mm. which isn't terrible. But yeah, not qualifying is obviously a different beast. So, so with him coming back, let's just say you're right on the five months. How big of an adjustment is that? That's a long time. And it's not like, again, I'm not saying it's easy to come back from a five-month absence regardless of who you are, but the one position that I feel like is the hardest would be mm -hmm. captain. Would you agree with that? Uh, I don't know. I think it, it depends, right? Because I would imagine knowing Kuro during all of these days, weeks, months, however much it was uh, that he was out. I think he followed the team closely still. I think he still stayed up to date with the meta. Uh, in a way, he's been kind of lucky that we've had so few game-changing patches. patches. So I think largely the game is mostly like he remembers it. Um, so in terms of adjustment, I think the biggest adjustment for the team is honestly for Kuro himself to just get back to playing the game more actively again, like just shaping up his, uh, or, yeah, his personal skill. Um, as far as the team cohesion drafting, I think that's been more natural for them probably because it's kind of back to the old. Uh, but I, I can tell you from experience, if I don't play Dota for like a week or two, I feel like I need to relearn it a little bit. And if you're out for like months, it will take some games <laughs> to, you know to feel fully comfortable. Not to go off on a tangent here, but mm -hmm. for FPS games, right? Back in the day yeah. when I used to play a lot more. Uh, I would step away from the game for like a week mm -hmm. and I'd come back and I would actually be better. That's kind of weird, <laughs> right? Like legitimately, yeah. I would be better, but it would only be for like a day and then I'd be actually shit and have to relearn like all my muscle memory stuff that, you know, may have been lost during yeah. that time down. Do you I have any that's... experiences like that in Dota? Because I've never felt that I same do. way for Dota. I do have that, yeah. Sometimes, if I, I think it's like, it's just a theory, like that it's about kind of uh, indirectly like burnout and motivation, right? So if you're, mm -hmm. if you have been grinding this game, you've played it so much, and you're like, oof, and then you take a couple of days off and you come back, then you have like a more fresh mindset, you're more energized, you're more ready, you're more rested, uh, and you've given kind of your brain time to just reset a little bit about this game. If it's if you do it all the time, it doesn't really get that reset. Or I think even just in terms of, what's it called? Like just the reality of it is supposedly when you do something and you take a little bit of a break, the brain builds new circuits, right? That's what happens. But if it's constantly in use, I think it does a worse job at it or something. Um. So I think that that is probably the core reason why resting in any discipline is important. Like whether it's your work that you have a weekend or a holiday or a day off, uh, whether it's a sport that you take days that you train less or don't train at all and just rest. Uh, and obviously in Dota, it's no different. Like, yeah, it's not a physical sport, but it's extremely mental. So the brain is working very hard when you play this game. Mm -hmm. um, 
So yeah, I think, and then in CSGO, it's probably something similar, right? Like you play, you've played a, a lot of the game. You just get to reset a bit. You come back and then you're like super motivated. Then you play and you get, you play that day through. And then, yeah, I don't know. The thing about you saying that you have one good day and then it's shit. I don't know how common that is, but I think the fact that coming back after a little break can make you play better. I don't think that's uncommon. A lot of it is also placebo. So. Yeah. And, and I think it's very so. sure there's the placebo, but it's it's also a little bit about how to say, I think it really matters how long the break is. Like, I feel like I play, I will gen, generally play better if I have a day or two break from Dota, but if I have two weeks break, I will play worse. Mm. It's like, it's almost like there's a sweet spot where you can get a bit better uh, from just resting. Yep, but you agreed. can also lose too much focus. So. It's very interesting how it works. And it's probably super individual too, how it works for people. So, Yeah, I think it'll vary a lot for sure. Okay, next thing is Ice 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 has joined the Big Evil news. Geniuses roster. So he replaces Ramses, who of course is now teaming up with Solo and uh, Sumail and all them again, and no one. So yep. Ice Ice Ice, Arkeezy <clears throat> is the one. Abed is still considered the two according to their website. I don't think he's even in the country, though. Uh, Ice Ice Ice, now the three, obviously. Crit, the four, Fly, the five. Not Ice Ice this... Ice isn't in the country either, I think. That's true, but I assume they have plans to bring him here at some point, which <laughs> right probably. now that's not happening, yeah. probably. <laughs> Actually, no, it's the other way around. Leaving the country is probably harder than getting in. You want Corona? Yeah, Come on in. Anyway, <laughs> what do you think about this roster? Is like Ramsey's before we, we talked about this when it was first announced that he was on EG. Like, yeah, on paper, these players are really good, but will it work with Ramsey's, who is not really an offlaner, right? Sumail was kind of the same mm -hmm. way for the team that he was he went to. Um, but Ice 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 is a three. He's been a three yeah. forever. He's one of the best of all time. How will this work, both personality-wise and on paper? I think personality-wise, he's going to be great. So, honestly, I think this might be the perfect fit in the entire scene for this roster for a couple of reasons. So, first of all, his personality, he's kind of goofy, a little bit clowny. Um, I think, without knowing their players too well, I would say a lot of their players are maybe a little bit more stern. And then, is that the right word for it? Is I don't that know what you're word? trying to say, so you tell me. Stern is a word. Um, yeah, stern is a, is a good word, I think. Um, not like fully stern, but they're a bit more on the serious side, I guess, or a little a less clowny, right? I think it's good for teams to have, quote unquote, a team clown, just because it's good for atmosphere. It keeps the morale high when somebody can be comedic relief, uh, whether it's at their own expense or just because they're funny. Um, I guess Bulba, to an extent, is also a little bit, you know, he's also a little bit wild like that. Um, but yeah, having a player in the game who's like that, I think can be very good. So that's one thing. Uh, I okay, definitely I don't see his point. personality as being a clash. I think it's it's a good thing. Um, and then the bigger thing, probably, that was just speculation, right? The bigger thing is from a Dota standpoint, in my opinion, Evil Genius's biggest weakness um, compared to the other top teams, has been their ability to be creative and innovative with drafting. And I think you just picked the offlaner with the biggest hero pool, probably, that you could possibly get that is at least skill level. Um, Isosize plays literally everything. And I just hope that when they get a player like this, it inspires them and they diversify a bit more in strategy. 
instead of getting a little bit too stuck in this like pattern basically that i feel like in a lot of big tournaments eg fall too much under a pattern um but with ice 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 they definitely can curveball a lot of drafts and play styles so i think that's uh it's a really good pickup and yeah he's not an na um just like abed i think eg at this at this point in time just realized the perspective okay like dota right now is kind of in a it's kind of encased in ice and we're gonna wait until this blows over or gets better and then we will have the team that we want so they're basically i I don't know when the contract is from but I, i would imagine you might just sign him just so you own this player Right, and then you're willing to pay the cost until you get to see them in action for real. Because uh, so if you don't, my... he's going to sign with someone else, right? Well, but that's the other thing, right? I'm not saying you should do this at all, but mm-hmm. from a team perspective, you technically wouldn't need to sign him. You could just say, when the DPC season starts up, we want you on your team. But there's obviously no point in having you because you can't play on the team because you're not in the country, unless there are plans to bring him in, of course. So right. to me, this signifies that. Again, this is complete speculation. Mm-hmm. Signifies to me that they want to try to get these guys together in one spot and start competing again, even if it's the thing is from the org stuff. standpoint. If you don't sign this player, let's say he was playing for a Fnatic, right? Let's say Fnatic wow. either starts suddenly owning or he plays for another SEA team that gets really good. Let's say he joins TNC Predator or whatever, and they just get really, really good, and he signs a contract with them. Getting him out of a team that's performing super well will either be more expensive or he will turn it down because he likes his team and is doing very well. So I think there's like a lot of inherent value for the org in getting this safety, basically, if you will. Um, I don't disagree with yeah, that. You can make but... the promise. You can make it a verbal agreement. But like at the end of the day, he's not. he doesn't have to sign with them if it goes well with another team, right? No, that's true. I, I, I don't know if I agree with that 100%, but I, I get where you're coming from. And... Yeah, it could very well be. I'm not sure. But either way, it's going to be a lot of fun to see eventually Ice 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 playing for EG. Because, uh, yeah. I mean, now that you mention it, looking at the roster, like Arteezy, I don't know how he is in game, right? That's kind of the, the big question mark for me. Because I know he can be clowny, kind of, right? He's got a good yeah, personality. Yeah, that's fair, I think. Maybe I was like judging them well, a little bit too no, much no, no. on the serious side. But like, Abed, nobody's as clowny as Ice in that team. That's for well, sure. Of course. Abed, I'm not sure about him either. Crit and Fly, though, 100% agree. Very serious, not super jokey, uh, but it's good to have a variation, of course. You don't want a bunch of... Ro- you don't want a, a five Cinderons on the team, right? You need some yeah, emotion in there. way you too... Need, you need somebody like, that listen to... The sexual tension in that team would be insane. <laughs> Your theme song would be Russell they Westbrook f- on a farm. They can't focus on the game. <laughs> it's just too much sexual energy. <clears throat> okay. So... Yeah, I'm not sure if they... I don't think they've announced that they're going to be part of any tournament coming soon uh, that I know of. They've. I think they only participated in Omega League and they've basically been MIA from everything else. Yeah, I think run. so too. I don't remember them being in any tournament right now. I think yeah. right. So hopefully we start seeing EG again and hopefully it's actually in NA and not EU because <clears throat> Arkosh Gaming is going to take over the world if EG goes to EU. Let's be real, guys. <laughs> Like there's there's no stopping them. The Gremlins got this on lockdown. Uh, as we said earlier, this episode, of course, is sponsored by ExpressVPN. A VPN in general lets you access the internet if you're from another country. Uh, like example, we went to I went to China several times, and 
used ExpressVPN because literally everything is blocked there. But something specifically because it's the holidays, which can be helpful, is if something is either blocked or if you use a service like Netflix or Hulu, Disney Plus, something of that nature, sometimes there's certain shows or movies that are only available in certain countries. So as an example, watching Elf on Australian Netflix in there is a possibility or one of my personal favorites, The Office. I know you haven't seen this one. The Office, the UK <laughs> Office TV series on South Korean oh. Netflix. Um, but yeah, in my experience, ExpressVPN has had uh, very stable service, very fast. Everything has been pretty easy to use. You can use it on pretty much every every single device. So if you guys go to expressvpn.com slash we say things, you can get an extra three months for free. And as always, thank you to them for being the most consistent sponsor of our podcast, Cinderin. Thank you so much. Yep. Thank you very much. And yeah, three for free, guys. Three months for free. That's right. Oh, it's not going to become a thing that I say three for free. It just it it kind of rolls off the tongue. Okay. So thanks. Thanks for your contribution, Cinderin. Anyway, You're very welcome. Can I keep all the sponsorship money myself after that terrible, hmm. terrible whatever that was? You can keep you can keep three. I can keep three for free. Three money. So the last quote-unquote Dota topic, this is actually a short, I'm saying that now, it's going to end up like an hour and a half, but one of the shorter episodes. There is a Pog Hero coming out this week named Penguin Commandos that I'm very proud of. It will be voiced by me, Cinderin, and Sir Action Slacks, who have already done their voices. I've actually already put it in the game. Need to slightly edit the volume on some of them. Slacks is too loud as always. <laughs> Surprise. Uh, so I'll, I guess we'll wait on the lore, but your name is Slappy. My name is Dopey. And Slacks' name is Dr. Nigel Quickets. <laughs> did you have fun doing your voice lines? <laughs> I did. I did. I, uh... <laughs> It, Tell I me mean, about without experience. spoiling too much, basically you gave some a bit of direction. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to try it. And I really, I recorded for like seven minutes and my, then my vocal cords hurt the rest of the day, actually. <laughs> That's how it goes. A, a little bit, a little bit, because I'm not used to using my voice like that, but it was really right. fun. It was fun to do. So, so I enjoyed it. The other side of the thing, the, the table <laughs> is slacks so Cinderin sent me his voice lines right <laughs> and he was very self-conscious about it and he, he didn't want to record it with me listening like he didn't even want to hear me like as an example like what his voice would sound like so he just sent me it all at once slacks on the other hand was the complete opposite he forced me to listen to him <laughs> live while he recorded 20 minutes of voice lines and <laughs> It's pretty fucking funny. So the idea of the hero, uh, well, like the skills don't matter right now, but the lore behind them is pretty simple. It's using the, we didn't have time to make a model. So it's a, it's the penguin techie set. You've seen that one, right? Cinderin, mm -hmm. which is actually a really perfect set for this because it's named penguin commandos and all. So the idea is you have these three individuals, right? You're the one in front with like the rocket launcher, whatever the heck he holds. You're the serious guy. I'm the fat guy behind you pushing the cart. And then Slacks is the guy that's wrapped around on the back. So the idea is Slacks is actually kind of our prisoner. We've taken him captive. He's a penguin conservationist. And we're pretending to be penguins. 
Uh, so every one of his lines is essentially, why are you killing the penguin? Like every single spell, and you, you guys will see this this week, every single spell of this hero kills penguins. It's the opposite of penguin conservation. It's a penguin massacre. So uh, <laughs> looking forward to what people think of this abomination of a hero. Okay, moving on. Looking forward on. to seeing if, uh, if you get a, a warning from Peter from this hero. Oh, from Peter. Yeah, well, yeah. I thought you were going to say something. I was thinking maybe it's too violent for Valve even. Like they go into custom <laughs> games and <laughs> that's too much blood, young man. Yeah, anyway. maybe you can't have a pog in China. That's true. Uh, that is actually true, but we're not going to worry about that now. Okay, moving on. Uh, Cinder, you're going to have more information about this than me, but I just I watched the World of Warcraft Shadowlands trailer today. Yeah. As always, Blizzard pretty much the only thing they can do correct these days and they do it better than anybody are these freaking trailers man holy shit they look good even if i have no interest in the game at all tell me about it yeah they're really good they're coming uh, november 20th we, we've talked about this before their animation and uh storytelling team has always been incredible um but yeah uh shadowlands is scheduled to come out in about a week and They've patched in, they did a pre-patch, I want to say about a month ago to the original game uh, or to the current retail version where they changed, they rescaled the entire game. So max level is 50 instead of 120, I think it was before. Mm -hmm. So uh, they redesigned, they redesigned leveling or just basically the systems. They did system re, uh, system edits. They didn't like build a new world or whatever. Um, and yeah, the game is coming out November 23rd. It's pretty... Uh, I want to say people have higher expectations for this than they did for previous games or the previous expansion, at least uh, than they did for Battle for Azeroth. So uh, we'll see if Blizzard delivers and if they've learned and improved on systems from the last expansion. I think, as far as WoW goes, the thing that the from from my limited perspective on what the community thinks in that game, I'm more of a classic guy, right? But my understanding of it is that people's primary problems with the recent World of Warcraft has been uh, poorly implemented systems. It's not been about world design. It's not been about quests. It's been about you get to end game. What rewards are there? How do you obtain them? And how actually rewarding does it feel to play like that? Uh, where some people have said that the systems are just, just haven't been good uh, in this last expansion. So um, based on what I've heard <clears throat> from... Blizzard Q&As and their interaction with the community, they've taken it to heart and they've redesigned systems. So now we'll see how good it actually is. But. Good luck to all the Blizzard fans out there. Cinder, I know you're one of them. I hope <laughs> it's fan. good. I hope it's good. Yeah. I really do. I hope I hope that... So I believe it's... What's it called? BlizzCon line. Because uh, this year, BlizzCon will be online, of course. Will be February 19th to 20th. I do hope that they announce the next step for WoW Classic then, which is likely because the next expansion for WoW Classic, which is the final version of the original level 60 World of Warcraft, comes out December 3rd. Oh. Um, so Very exciting time. If that runs for like three months, then they can make take the next step. All right, cool. Basically, with Classic. Thank you for that update, Sindon. Yeah. Really appreciate You're it. You're welcome. You're very welcome. Uh, I have an impromptu Suns fan recommends. Uh, oh, but this is going to be the first time I'm recommending something before I've experienced it. Is that weird? I just know it's going to be good. Anyway, I'm uh, recommending. I guess that's fine. 
I'm recommending the brand new book, Rhythm of War by Brandon Sanderson, that came out today. It is the fourth installment of the Stormlight Archives, which you know very well about, Cinder. I know your girlfriend has been hounding you to read that, which she basically knows how I feel about in Bruges at this point. So this is the I fourth no book. I came out. Came out to, well, this is the fourth, but yeah, it came out today. Yeah. There's yeah, going to be no 10 idea. books I don't know eventually. If she knows. Well, you, you, you let me. I forgot about it and it was delivered to my Kindle. So I'll be reading that oh. tonight. So for all the book fans out there. Okay. Yeah, Next. so you, you read a book, you don't even read a book, man. You read a screen, huh? Fuck it. I mean, yeah, whatever. Th- there is that debate which one's better. Like, it's all personal preference, right? There's some instances where I would actually prefer <laughs> the book. Everything I read itself. is on the screen, man. Like... All right, thanks, Cinder. Uh, uh... Okay, next, PS5 was released, mm-hmm. which we kind of touched on last week, but it wasn't technically released. I, I still feel the same where... Xbox sex and PS5 being out is not, it doesn't feel like as big of a deal as normal. And I think a big reason behind it is the launch games are beyond not impressive, if I'm being honest. For both? So, for both. So, for the PS5, just as an example, the headliner is Assassin's Creed Valhalla. I'm not saying this game is garbage, okay? Uh, first of all, it's available on both, I believe. But there have been so many Assassin's Creed. Who gives a shit anymore, honestly? Like, you're going to play it for a week, and you're never going to play it again. These are not, like, launch games. Back in back in my day, there were launch games like Halo. They were fucking game changers. They're, we used to call those uh, killer apps. It's something that hmm. is so good that you have to buy the system. God of War is one of those games, which is for PlayStation, but it's not going to be out until next year. So I think maybe that is why that like both these systems coming out is just so lackluster in feeling. Is yeah, that just I me? Know, <clears throat> no, I I I've, I think it makes a lot of sense. Like I, I'm seeing a couple of people in chat, and that's also what we've talked about at home here. We've talked about getting a PS5 for future games, but also for the Demon Souls remake. But if your biggest draw for a lot of people to buy the console mm-hmm. is to play a remake, then yeah, right? Like it's not. By the way, that remake looks amazing, and the game is probably amazing too. It's one of the Dark Souls series games, Orwell. It's the predecessor to Dark Souls. It's the first one, really. Um, Mm. But not everybody, first of all, likes that kind of game. And we need to remember that in our like community, let's let's say probably the average player that uh, we interact with or read from or hear from is probably more hardcore than the average player in general, right? Uh, cause we like, if, if we hear about it from our, from Reddit, or if we hear about it on our podcast or whatever, the average player sits down, plays for an hour and then does something else. Right. Are they going to pick up a PS5 to get demon souls? Probably not. I think the majority of people will pick up a PS5 because it's a PS5. And then it's a big, big plus if there is a, a new title that sounds fun and amazing to play, but you get like an extra little. I want to say a niche segment because you have Demon Souls as a remake, right? And I'm one of those people that's excited about it, but I'm not going to pretend that that's a really big game. So, um, are you going to buy the PS5? A, yeah, we're going to get one. Oh, I don't, I don't know when exactly we're able to get one, but we will. Christmas get one. present, you know? I I believe in Bruges actually runs on the PS5 very well. Oh, nice. It's very crisp with all the beautiful hardware that's inside that machine. Okay, you know what? So. I will get a PS5. 
on the spot, I will do everything I can to get a PS5 if it comes with In Bruges the game as one of the <laughs> flagship titles. Oh, I will, oh boy. I will get it right away. Oh boy. Right away, man. So there were some tweets that I saw. In fact, one of them was from the official Xbox account on Twitter saying, we can't believe we're going to, we have to say this. This is just me summarizing. We can't believe we have to say this, but please do not blow vape smoke into your Xbox <laughs> Series X. <laughs> Uh, and apparently, you can you can balance a ping pong ball on the Xbox. Isn't that incredible? Incredible. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. I, I like that feature that they've added. That makes me want to buy it a little bit more, despite I, the I name being horrendous. <laughs> I love that they did that. Like, did they have to do that? Like, actually, really? No, they of course not. But it's funny, of course. It's funny. Yeah. So... I, I guess we're just going to have to to wait. Like, this is the interesting thing. There's a couple things. First, it just feels lackluster because I remember back in the day when these consoles would come out, it would be huge news. People would be literally... I mean, I know the corona is happening. Even if it wasn't, I don't mm -hmm. think it would be much different. People would be lining up. I, I remember waiting for overnight for several consoles. Like, it's very exciting stuff. But now, we can't even rate that one console versus another because most of the games are the same. They're both basically, again, I know there's some differences, but basically the same hardware for the most part. The biggest difference and selling point for me is still the Xbox games being able to be played on PC. That's huge. Mm. That's like beyond huge. Well, we um, can also rate them on name. And on name, yeah. I think PlayStation really takes the cake with its innovation of upping the number by one, which yes. is infinitely yeah. better than what the competitor did. Yeah. If you If you win with that, the other team real fucked up. I agree. I could not agree more. Plus one e is greater than sex, apparently. Oh, yes. <laughs> or at least in that context. Uh, okay, next thing. This is really interesting. So there was a channel. I don't even know how to pronounce this. Unis, Unis Honest. Honest. It looks like anus with two N's, but it's Unis Honest. It's it last name means one year. Oh, okay. That's perfect then. So Markiplier and Crank Gameplays were the two individuals behind this channel. Had 1.8 million subscribers. They'd post a video every single day, and they told everybody from the beginning, in one year, this channel will be deleted. So they essentially had a live YouTube countdown of the deletion where 1.5 million people were watching live. That is fucking crazy it was really big huge so Has... my girlfriend was one of them um okay. we've watched yeah, quite a lot of their videos together actually of this channel um mm -hmm. it's i think really unfortunately for them they got really screwed by corona because the channel was actually so when did corona happen it started happening like big time eight months ago i would say in march is when it most countries started like having limitations to what you could do, right? Yeah. So it's actually eight months ago. Um, but they, they would do really, really cool content. like, um, And they would do a video a day. That was the concept. So one video per day. Uh, they would go out, the two of them, to experience something in the world. They would like go to uh, some sort of martial arts, or they would go to art, or they would go to... Like, you know, whatever, just anything out in the world, something mm -hmm. farm-related, whatever. It could be anything. Um, and they would just have this amazing creativity and ideas of what they could try to do for fun or 
um, or to learn something about themselves and the world. Um, so it was actually a really, really cool concept. And then Corona happened. So then they were super limited. Then they were basically the two of them doing wacky stuff inside. Uh, <laughs> that was like some really fucked up shit um, that they were doing. That's but cool. Basically, the, the concept of the channel is uh, I find really interesting because it's like this contrast to basically what every YouTube channel tries to be, right? Which is about growth and um, just getting bigger and bigger and having the videos be something people come back to and enjoy. And this was, you know, kind of art, right? That you just say, we have a year and then everything is gone. So enjoy it while it lasts. And this is finite compared to everything online, which right. is infinite. And supposedly they're going to try, because this has always been the speculation and the worry for people, right? Is that, well, people can just download the videos and re-upload them. But they've said that they're going to strike down on that really hard. So if they find re-uploads, they're going to get taken down. They don't want the videos to exist. Yeah, um, I watched a little bit of one. Um, so. But yeah, that I think I misspoke earlier. I said that the channel itself had 1.8 million. It was actually 4.5 million subs. But the viewing of it live was 1.5, which that's yeah. absurd. So one of the quotes from it is, I firmly believe that the entirety of what something is is cannot be truly appreciated until it ends. So that's kind of the idea behind it. Uh, mm -hmm. He said, Markiplier said he felt really satisfied. That was the word he used a lot about something that he was proud of that actually just ends instead of it just, you know, which I can understand to a degree as well because it's just this right. constant thing, right? For us as personalities, hate that word. Uh, but yeah, that's a really cool idea. I didn't get to watch any. I'd never even heard of it until this happened, which makes me a little bit had, sad. Had you heard of Markiplier before? So I learned who Markiplier was on this podcast because I looked like a goddamn idiot one of the times and you don't remember. Thank you for not remembering, Cinderin. Wait, wasn't that Jacksepticeye? No, that was another time. I didn't hear it. Heard oh, so you didn't know either. Right. Markiplier was like maybe six Some months Some guy called ago. Markiplier had a channel Yeah, called Unus Anus. I actually, okay, so in terms of my YouTube content that I watch, it's literally just ASMR. It's just women whispering in my ear and eating my ear to the point that Nikki is disturbed and you will tell me. You might she actually like Markiplier's ASMR, though. <laughs> Wait, he has ASMR? <laughs> I don't, I don't oh. think so, but he does make some, he does whisper into the mic sometimes and make okay. weird sounds. So it he, might be for you. He has a very nice voice, I will admit. Okay, so the last topic of the day, I want you to tell everybody what the what it says on the outline, please. Why is the last topic of the day cow farts? Cow farts. That's what we're going to talk about. That's where we're going to end the episode. I made okay. sure this was for a sponsored episode, by the way. So <laughs> I learned this like yesterday. Apparently, it is a complete myth. I don't know if this is going to make me sound like an idiot. I, I feel like this was like what everybody thinks. Apparently, global warming is not caused in any way by cow farts. In fact, methane does not even come from their farts at all. It comes from their belching. I feel like I'm living in an alternate dimension, Cinder. And how is this not real? I mean, whether it's them farting, belching, or existing that contributes <laughs> is kind of irrelevant, right? It's about the, the net sum in the end, right? <laughs> I guess I guess it's sold better with farts. Don't know. It's um, funnier. It's def. I mean, right. it ruined the whole thing for me. I'm not gonna lie. All right. So to know, be this... fair, it the belching apparently does contribute to global warming, but it's on a much smaller scale than I had been told. I guess 
and it's not from them farting, which is really disappointing to me. It doesn't make it funny anymore. You're so disappointed now you're not going to eat beef anymore. I'm so... I'll eat more beef. Misled. What do you mean? <laughs> I'm going to eat way more beef now because they don't fart. And very saddening. It just ruins my whole perception of the whole thing, you know? Uh, so that if is you the... Can't, if you can't <clears throat> see cow farts where you live, you might be able to if you get ExpressVPN because it... <laughs> It might not be something in your country. I mean, we've been misled, so <laughs> need to true. make sure. I, I I would imagine in some countries that might be blocked content <laughs> because farts are vulgar. So uh, definitely, uh, they've definitely got your back. I feel like there's probably only like a handful of countries where that's actually a thing, but I know that <laughs> definitely exists. Toilet humor is it's okay, you know. It everybody finds it funny, and those that don't are Debatable. lying. No, those that don't are ashamed that they find it funny and lie to themselves. That is genuinely what I think. I'm not even kidding. That's what I think. Uh, and Nikki is one of them, by the way. She can't stand hmm. it. But I know she finds it funny. She refuses to admit it. Okay. So with that, cow farting off the Mind Center, we have a couple Patreon mailbag questions. Yep. Uh, the first is from Twice as Mad Tom, who asks... Do you guys think that the broadcasting style of Dota Esports is good in comparison to CSGO? L Omega Lol L Valorant <laughs> Omega Lol Rant question mark. I don't, what is how does that add to the question at all in terms of seriousness slash energy, etc.? Or not necessarily in comparison to anything, just in general. Uh so I've have noticed, and you can you can uh piggyback off this. Mm-hmm. There is a major difference between FPS games. I'm just going to say CS and Valorant because it's kind of the same. Right. CS, Valorant, casting versus Dota. Dota, you, in almost all cases, have a play-by-play and an analyst. And in these games, for the most part, there's some anomalies. You will have two play-by-plays that both kind of do a little bit of analysis in between. They kind of, like, right. one guy will do some act, like, do play-by-play, and then in the middle, he'll just based on the sound of his voice like going down or whatever it'll be uh <clears throat> it'll signal the other guy to start doing the rest of the the round or whatever the case may be so i yeah. found that very interesting because i don't know if i could even do that that seems really hard to just go back and forth you have to have pretty good chemistry um, it's definitely not what i'm used to i think the nature of the game makes that style more appealing to do right so in csgo when you think about it the rounds are short and then there's like a little bit of a buy time and then they go again so your time to do actual analysis is probably too short most of the time you can get in like a quick point about something cool they did but then you're moving on then people are shooting each other again in dota you have a big team fight and then people are dead for a minute then they get out of fountain they go somewhere and they don't necessarily fight so it's way easier to get in longer analysis segments and the complexity of what is happening in the fights also leaves more to break down. I think analysis in CSGO kind of requires visual aid where in order to appreciate a good strategic execute on a bomb site, you kind of need to be able to see it top down from a different camera perspective where you get to see the player's positioning, how they move in, formation, utility usage, uh, stuff that you can't really do live very easily, but it's really good for a breakdown afterwards. So that's what CSGO mm -hmm. does. And I think it just makes total sense. As far as the casting style, I think you would find if you cast CSGO that 
stuff like that probably gets pretty natural at some point, actually, where we're just used to doing it our way. But in CSGO, you, I think there's just a natural flow to the rounds a lot of the time where uh, somebody gets killed, there's movement, and then it's just natural. Like you've, you've kind of quote unquote made your point and then the other guy will start talking about something just like we do in dota team fight is over play by play guy talks less and i'll analyst talks more in csgo it's just between kills or movements um stuff like that so So something something that i'll add on to that Mm -hmm. is and we've talked about this in the past a little bit but i really dislike the idea of a even just a video game in general casting style being pigeonholed a certain way like, this is the correct way. This is the wrong way. I don't like that at all. Right. It's not binary at all. Dota mm-hmm. obviously has a very general, uh, I guess you can make it a bit of a blanketing statement that it's a play-by-play and an analyst. But of course, there's a lot of kind of in-between that you can have based on yep. you know the combinations. And I think the same actually works for Counter-Strike. And I know this because even though I only cast for a couple days, I did this with Zeno, where I'm play-by-play, he's analyst. And even like people that are way up there in terms of skill level and casting, there's a guy named Sean Garris and DDK mm-hmm. who have done some in the past as well, where it's actually Dota style. And I, as an observer, just watching it, I know this is because I'm from Dota, but I found that way more interesting because you have somebody that is just paying attention only to the analysis of what's going on. And I disagree with you a little bit. I mean, I, I agree with most of what you said, but there's, it's not as... You think there's uh, enough time. Yeah, depending on the round, there's definitely enough time to kind of have a Mm -hmm. little bit of a back and forth. Like you're just thinking of like the end of the round, what happened, you have to sum it up. There's also lots of like downtime because it's in a round of Counter-Strike or Valorant, it's not like people are just bum rushing every fucking way, right? Right, right. People setting Mm -hmm. up, using utility, and this is plenty of time for the analyst to give their opinions about stuff. So I think that Mm -hmm. Dota could even go down, like take a page out of CS and vice versa. CS can take a page out of Dota as well. But one thing I will say is, and I don't know if you agree with this, I think Counter-Strike casting, uh, Valorant maybe not as much, but definitely Counter-Strike is, can be considered a little bit more casual friendly, not from a viewer perspective, but from a casting perspective, whereas Dota feels a little bit more stringent. Would you agree with that? Uh, how do you mean casual from a casting perspective? That like they, they can, can be joke more around relaxed. a little bit more. Right. Yeah. Okay. It feels more just casual. Like not saying they're um, not saying any, like they're definitely giving great analysis. They're really good at that. But it feels more casual as opposed to Dota. It's just again, it's like this cookie cutter thing that everybody's trying to copy each other, just play by play analysis. I mean, I, I would say from my experience and something that I really love when we cast together is that we just sometimes we just shoot the shit, right? And that's also what it's what we get a lot of positive feedback on and some negative because it's not for everyone right Uh, but when we cast we we very willingly just get into having fun with something especially if there's nothing happening in the game just joking about something else maybe talking about something that's nothing to do with the game even just like cow farts uh, for example so um i think the number one most important thing in broadcasting is entertainment it should be fun and it should be fun for the people doing it, and it should be fun for the audience. And a lot of the time, those things overlap really well, where if we're having fun, it rubs off on a big part of the audience, where if we're having a good time, it just feels like a good environment. You know, you're with your mates watching a game and having a laugh. Um, and a lot of the times, I would say, Dota casting is a little bit, like you said, a little bit too pigeonholed, maybe, where the the casting will be a little bit too black and white, 
play-by-play expert, not much like banter or synergy, if you will. And it, it makes it feel less like it's two people casting together, but that it's two individuals casting, right? Yeah. Instead of like a, a unity that's doing it. Um, so I, I definitely agree that Dota doesn't do as good of a job at that as CS. I think a part of it maybe could have something to do with, first of all, like you said, the general casting style, uh, maybe also just their talent pool, how long they've worked together, that that set amount of people. Um, I don't know if we can say the same for Dota. Um, probably at least some of us can. Um, yeah, I mean, CSGO yeah. came after Dota too, right? But obviously they would have played Source or 1.6 yeah, for that anyway. They, it's it's also I think it also has something to do with the just raw magnitude of events or not magnitude the raw amount like CS:GO has had so many events that these guys have cast where Dota has been a little bit more varying. We had one year with a lot of games or a lot of events, and then we've had other years with less events. Um, right. So like any skill, the more you use it, the better you get, right? And especially when you're in a team environment, uh, like casting also is. If your teams of two, three, four that work together, um, you know you. You get more experience. Now, to kind of conclude on the question, he asked if we think the style is good in Dota compared to the other games. Uh, I think so. I think, honestly, I think I haven't watched any Valorant casting, but I think both Dota, CS, and League do a good job. Um, to me, League leans more toward American sports broadcasts. Yeah, I don't like it. Uh, it seems very heavily inspired. I'm a big fan that of broadcasting that recognizes the game as a game. That does not mean we don't care and uh, we diminish and pretend that it's not important, but it means that we understand that it's a video game and video games are about having fun and relaxing and being a release rather than being super serious. And I think sports broadcasts do a good job with that. Sometimes they will do like fluff segments, uh, but the broadcasting is generally relatively serious. Um, Depends on the I network, think- but yeah. Agreed. Yeah, it depends on the network. I think possibly a reason for that is that people have this like really strong attachment with their team. So if you're just joking around, they feel like it's disrespectful. But I think in esports, it's a bit different where, uh, yeah, you have this connection with your team, but it's kind of hard to explain exactly why. But I think by nature, video game broadcasting should be more casual than regular sports broadcasting. Yeah, I don't want to get off on a um, huge tangent. So. But, uh, you know, obviously everybody that's watched us knows that we agree with each other on this big time. But I will say it's probably easier from a tournament organizer perspective to keep things very stale and professional mm. because the chemistry is less important if you're <laughs> dictating literally everything that's done. I mean, an yeah. NBA example that we will finish up on here is there's the channel that we've talked about before, TNT, with Charles Barkley and the other guys that is considered by far the best channel to watch basketball because they're goofy, they're hilarious. It's the best panel in literally all of sports in the entire world, in my opinion. And then, Mm -hmm. for whatever reason, the NBA has signed a contract to give ESPN slash ABC the rights to the finals. So every year, you go from this amazing channel, TNT, to ABC, where they... It's funny because it used to be very like stale and just typical professional sports. And now they're mm-hmm. trying to mimic what TNT does. And it's fucking garbage. It's absolute garbage because they don't have the right people. Like you have to get the right, right. mix for it to work. Right. So that's, mm-hmm. I can understand that perspective of it being harder from the tournament organizer. But I think from like a viewer perspective, I'm very biased, but I prefer 
the more casual side. Anywho, second question, Cinderin. Uh, yes. Let's see. From the Maverick 427, greeting Suns fan and Cinderin. Have either of you ever visited South Africa or want to? What do you think it would take for regions like South Africa and Australia, which are ge geographically isolated from the gaming world, to actually develop a real competitive Dota 2 gaming scene? A bit of a loaded question because I'm I'm not going to pretend to be an expert. I've never been to South Africa. Me neither. Myself. But I would I would definitely like to go sometime. Uh, I mean, now is not the time, right? But right um, now, <laughs> I love I love visiting different parts of the world. I've always found it fascinating when even with Dota events, we don't really get to see the culture that much. But the bit that we get exposed to, I find it really like um, I like learning about other cultures because I feel like it gives you a it gives you a more well or how to say well-rounded worldview right where we have our opinions about this is just how things are but it never is right it's just how things are where you live and what you take for granted and what you think and it gives you like a broader perspective of understanding why other people think the way that they do and how their lives are and uh what things they aspire for or uh i mean just something as you know banal if you will as just seeing the city like how things are, uh, the language. I'm I'm a huge language guy, right? So love seeing other languages, hearing them spoken, uh, stuff like that. So I'm a big fan of going new places. And I would love to go to South Africa sometime. As far well, as the be, Dota be, part, sorry, before I I yeah. feel like I should expand on that before we get to the other part of the question mm -hmm. because I totally agree. I think the and this I'm not trying to make this political, but it's going to sound a little bit political. I think one of the issues with the U.S. in general is two things number one this should be a world thing history i think is mm -hmm. literally the most important subject ever to instill in everybody i think history repeats itself in many ways but the thing that americans miss which i've been very fortunate like early growing up is being in many countries traveling is so amazing not the mm -hmm. actual traveling traveling is fucking awful let me rephrase that visiting <laughs> traveling is amazing traveling once is you're, awful once you're in the location if teleportation was a thing my God, I would be in a different country every day. But just learning mm -hmm. about other cultures, it it helps perspectives a lot, right? Because everybody yeah. grows up in different situations, whether you're poor, you're rich, different country, whatever. It's, I think it's just really important to, you know, see that side of things, which, again, not trying to be political, but I think Americans have issues with that. Uh, but I think, go ahead. I think the reason you would feel like Americans have issues with that and which i think is true it's not like we're not going to pretend every state is the same because they aren't right there's right. like big differences it's like every country states. yeah but basically. if you go on a holiday let's say you're danish and you go on a holiday maybe you will go to spain or greece or maybe you'll go to the u.s right but let's just say you stay within your like region so we keep it like uh let's say it's it's more of a a comparison then so an american traveling from let's say you go from from washington to uh, California or whatever, or that's maybe a bad comparison because they're kind of similar. Let's say you go from Northwest to the South and visit there. There's definitely going to be huge differences, um, mm. but it's still the U S right. There's still a lot of similarities too. where going from one country in Western Europe to one country in Eastern Europe or Southern Europe, there's going to be some similarities and some pretty major differences. Like just something as simple as culture and language will be very different uh from going from one state to the next that's not to say once again that the states are very similar because we've talked about this at another time as well that governing the u.s has to be so hard because of how different the states are you're kind of 
simulating that it's it's one unit when you can't really make it one because of how different they are. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, no, that's but true. but the sim but the the similarities are there and they're kind of mainly carried out through language. I would say. Uh, so my point is, if you're a European visiting other European countries, I think the perspective and the differences that you see are bigger than if you're an American visiting other states. And at the end of the day, you only see the American perspective. So that's why I think something like the internet and people getting more access to traveling across the world uh, is going to help Americans get a different perspective, like more a more different perspective than usual compared to Europeans, where I think it's made a, a lesser of a difference. All right, let traveling. me just ask you a question. This is very, uh, this mm -hmm. is not a scientific thing, but right. based on my experiences, how many of your friends growing up, let's say you have your five mm -hmm. closest friends, have left the okay. country that you live in? Denmark. I think all of them. Okay, so very yeah. normal. This is Arizona, so it's not like we're in the deep south. This It's now a blue state, by the way. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think every single one of my friends, like close friends, except one, had not been out of the country. One of them went to Mexico, which is like a two-hour drive. So that right. is, in my experience... Based on the people I've been around, that's very normal to never leave the country. And I, it's sad. I think that's really bad. Uh, I think it's definitely underrated. But anyway, back to the question itself, Sindarin. Mm -hmm. So I don't know much about South Africa. I know Australia had a lot of issues with internet infrastructure. I don't know yeah. if any of that has changed. I know internet's getting better slowly but surely. Uh, but so the problem is Dota is... <laughs> I mean... Dota is a different, like a different subject entirely. I feel like we should talk about this from an esports perspective because mm -hmm. Dota is dead in NA for God's sake. So it's not going to be alive <laughs> anywhere else either. You know, it's basically just Europe and China are the two locations for Dota right now. Uh, I guess South, uh, South America, America well. is big too. I would say, yeah. and, and I mean, okay, literally honestly, everywhere but NA. Okay, kinda, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, what would need to change? Other than infrastructure, or is that really the only thing that's holding these regions back, you think? I mean, a lot of the time it comes down to history and chance, right? Like the reason there's so many good Russian Dota players, for example, is that Warcraft 3 Dota was really big in Russia. So those people keep playing. Dota 2 comes out, they keep playing. They get their friends into it. The whole culture around playing the game is just bigger. Dota didn't catch on nearly as much in Australia. Um, so the chance that Dota 2 will suddenly become a big thing there is really small unless you have initiatives that really push for it, like locally organized tournaments or marketing. Uh, <laughs> marketing or if Valve decided for the next TI, we need one to two teams from every single continent, then all of Antarctica? a sudden Australia. Wait, yeah, can I make a too. team there? Then the Penguin Holy Commandos shit. could qualify from there. Um, oh, so, hell yeah. Hell <laughs> like yeah. PETA. Fuck you. It's um <laughs> it's that that's the thing, right? And that's also what South Africa will probably struggle with uh is access. It's access, right? Like how do you grow and foster a competitive scene if the scene itself doesn't have access to uh to strong competition? Uh I don't think I think South Africans have decent playable ping to Europe. It's not that bad, but Again, how big of a player base do they right. have for Warcraft 3 Dota that transferred over? How appealing has it been to try to become a pro so that people have really put in the hours? Because becoming a pro in Dota takes five-digit hours. It just does. The game is really fucking hard. So if you want to get really good at it, you need to invest a lot of time. 
And uh, do people have that luxury of doing that? If they do, does there seem to be any perspective? Who are they going to train against? Et cetera, et cetera. So it's just difficult without having local stuff that fosters it or valve intervention, which they've kind of done a little bit. You know, South America, for example, I think got a lot better in the last three years because they started getting DPC tournaments. Uh, they started being able to qualify. There was suddenly a lot more incentive to train hard and a lot more competition. Um, imagine, but we don't have that for South America, Australia, Japan, etc. We just don't have imagine it. Imagine if Smash wasn't banned. Imagine if that whole debacle never yeah. happened. That actually, I feel like, I don't know if this is just me, I feel like that really dampered things for South America for like a couple years, honestly. He was like the dandy of South America. Uh, so that Match really fixing hurt. definitely hurt yeah. the uh yeah i think their region more than any i'm not sure how many people got banned there was a where was ddz from he was also insane he was from sea i think ddz could have been a superstar um but got involved in match fixing so he was banned um, it's honestly just it's such a shame with these talents and when the story is told by them and the perspective, the perspective is always different, right? Because some of the players that were that did this stuff supposedly were in financial trouble, right? You're investing so much time and effort playing Dota, but if it doesn't pay off, then it's a, it's a struggle, right? Um, so you can kind of you can empathize with the position that they're in and them trying to make money so that they can get by, but you can't really empathize with match fixing as the solution, right? Uh, mm -hmm. It's just a shit situation where people are under pressure or they're greedy. If they're greedy, I empathize with them a lot less. Like if they, if they just want to, you know, make some extra money. Uh, but if they are like struggling to pay rent, you can at least, okay, you know what? Like that's, that's tough. Like, what are you going to do? You're really fucking good at Dota, but it's just not paying. Um, I mean, but yeah, it's just, regardless it's so shit of because I'm with you. I think both DDZ and smash could have maybe made, I'm not going to say millions, but they could have made a living easily with the expenses well, of their that, respective countries, right? It would have exploded, like if they were the popularity successful. of the scene. Like yeah. South America would be way bigger right now, in my opinion. If Smash, yeah. again, Smash I, I'm is not saying still really big. <laughs> I'm not condoning match fixing or anything like that, but a lifetime ban is just too much. Like unless you murdered Gaben himself, that's just too much. <laughs> I'm sorry, especially when you're that young of a kid. Anyway. Uh, that brings us to the end of episode 78 of We Say Things. Cinderin, have you seen In Bruges? No. All right. Until next time, everybody. Thanks for watching. Suns fan Cinderin signing out. I hate you so much. Bye. We say things that don't mean anything. But thanks for listening. Yeah.